The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is What's New? Hot Topics number 82. A new survey reveals that close to 1 in 10 American men suffers from depression or an anxiety, but fewer than half get treatment. We are hyping up and repeating data that is not true. Research reported that many Americans believe that suicide rates spike up every year around the holiday season. But there's one catch. It's not true. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks Bright. So how are you, D? I am doing excellently. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. We got to get used to all this new technology. I know. Oh, new technology. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But yes, we are here. And like you said, we're getting ready to, to get our first snowstorm, right? I know. I know. You know, this is the number one. And as I said, I was a little late getting here because I'm not like these people when they run around and say evacuate because there's a hurricane. I think I'm going to stick it out. No, I am going to have <laughs> flashlights and batteries and blankets and all this other stuff when this cold weather comes this weekend. Oh, big time, big time. And so, yeah, so we're we're here and we are ready to record. We haven't recorded because of me moving and all that stuff, our studio and our business. We haven't recorded. It's been at least almost a month, a month, even about six it weeks. Now, is everything all finished? Everything, is everything finished? Everything is pretty much finished for now in Niles, but we do have our second location and it is in Columbus, Columbus. So, and that's already. So, yeah, we just moving right along great. before the new year hit us. 2023. That's great. Can you believe it? 2023? I I, no, I cannot. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yes, it is. Well, this is episode 245. And today, I know, right? Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 82. And so a new survey, it reveals that close to one in 10 American men suffers from depression or anxiety, but fewer than half get treatment. And so we're going to discuss some of the reasons as to why that is and what we can do to change that. Now, maybe, and this is when I read this article, I was like, what? Maybe. We are hyping up and repeating data that is not true. Research has reported that many Americans, we believe that suicide rates spike every time the holiday season comes around. But there's just one catch to this. It's not true. 
And so we're going to discuss this article to find out, you know, why are we reporting misinformation about suicide rates? Maybe it's a little bit different or it's continuous through the whole year. We don't know. And other important facts, um, we're going to talk about all of these things on this episode today. And as always, our co-host, Dr. The one and only Dr. D. Banks will give us <laughs> the latest, the latest on what's happening with the flu and other infections that are coming to get us and give us some tips on what we can do to stay ready, to stay ready and to stay healthy this uh, holiday season. So stay tuned, folks. And what do you say to that, D? <laughs> I'm ready. You know, there's a lot to say. These these viruses and so forth, they are they are some of the smartest um, things that we've had to deal with. And I'll, I'll explain a little bit about why we're getting hit so hard. OK, OK, that'll be great. And listen, folks, make sure subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness. Vicky Do Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify or on any of our platforms that you listen to your podcast. When you subscribe, you will be notified first. You will be notified first when we post a new show and you will be able to listen, to learn, and to experience our shows where we bring in other guests. We bring in other guests. Uh, we also, D and I, we talk about things that are important for our health and we talk about things that we can do to preserve our mental health as well. And we believe in, we believe in total well-being here at Vicky Doe Fitness. And that is having a holistic approach to healthy living. So make sure you do not miss any of our shows today. And make sure you subscribe. Make sure you subscribe today. And last but not least, go on Apple Podcasts. We want you to give us a five-star rating and review of this show because that is how that is how we grow and increase increase our listeners and we certainly we certainly appreciate you and as always what do we say d thank you thank you thank you for your support thank you thank you for your support well d it's you know we always talk about winter uh soul sticks uh it's t st i can't even say the word soul sticks <laughs> Soul six. That's that's. <laughs> hey, you know that's one of my speech impediment <laughs> when you get clip. when you get all them s's and your t's and your stuff together. <laughs> solstice. I solstice. Know. <laughs> okay. Today and it's what December the twenty first. Can you? I mean, every time I say what day and time it is, I just know something happened. Something happened and fast forward this stuff. Don't you think? The days are just flying by unbelievably flying by i know I, just can't believe it. I know it's amazing it is amazing and it's cold and and we're getting ready oh, for yeah and it's gonna get worse than that they're talking about the coldest winter in some places that they've ever had wow that's you know, crazy. Now this was i i remember the days because i lived in minnesota so yeah this is just flashback to me of those minus 20 actual actual temperatures was like we had minus 60 wind chill. Wow. Where, I mean, it was so cold, nothing moved. I mean, the water in your eyes froze. And I knew it was time for me to get out of there because <laughs> I said, it sounds like I'm on the moon or something. This is not worth staying here. No, it's terrible. I mean, when you're when zero was warm, Zero was like, yay, heat wave. <laughs> okay, right, all right. 
That's okay. curable. That's curable. That's what they say. That's that curable. That terrible. Terrible. Charles Barkley. That's terrible. But yeah. So hey. It's coming. We, well, we knew. We knew we were getting all this warm weather yeah, here. Yeah, you know, we, we knew it. We, we knew it. Everything comes to an end, and we knew that this kind of warm weather was gonna was eventually going to stop. It's going to stop. So, yeah. yes, yeah. We're, we are hunkering down. We're getting ready because we're going to have we're going to have winter white Christmas weekend. We are. Yes. Speaking of which, have I seen your lights down at your house? Uh, I, hey, I had you to know. take a I had to take a sabbatical. Uh, uh. <laughs> I just am thinking. I haven't seen the bright lights and the little nutcrackers and so forth outside of your house. <laughs> Are you being a Scrooge this year? I've been a Scrooge. I mean, we've been doing all this moving from the office, going to all these different things. I get it. So I yeah. was like, you know, and I asked my oldest, she's here helping me and spending time with us. And she's hunkering down since she's going to be snowed in. And so she, I said, yeah. I said, Natalie, are you going to put up a tree or some decorations? She's a, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. So I was like, okay, cool. We'll just have a little, some little Santa Claus and some teddy bears exactly. and stuff around our little fireplace and call it a day. You Call know? it a day. Yes. Absolutely. So, but yeah, I'm I'm just so grateful that, you know, this is the end of the year and, and we're able to, you know, still be with our families and all yeah. of that good stuff, you know? We have our health and strength, which mm -hmm. is critical. Which is critical. That's it for me. How was your week? I know you were busy. Um, yeah, I, well, you know, we had the Lynx party. Yes, and that, that was great. And that was fun on Sunday. That um, was fun was the first time that we've had that party since 2019, I think. Yeah. And it was just a good time to get to see everybody. Music was good and the food and, you know, just seeing people that you hadn't really seen for almost two years. Really. I know. I know. So, uh, yeah, so it was good to get back. And then um, on Saturday, interestingly, I found a jazz place in Akron called Afterlife. And it's uh, over in the area where Goodyear, the Goodyear uh, Corporation is, very nice. Uh, they're just kind of getting themselves started. Uh, the venue for the jazz music was great. I mean, they had musicians in there that, you know, some of the musicians that I've had at my house to play. Okay. And um, so it was really good. So I'm hoping that they will continue and I can put the word out there. They don't have a liquor license yet, but it's BYO. Okay. You know, they have some food, there, but they're hoping to have more food service so they're just getting started it's just nice to be able to get out and hear some nice music oh wow that's great that's great all right yeah, so that was my week well what is going on this week d everything everything is going on everything I mean, huh? everything and how sad that we have to start off with the sad news the sad news right dj twitch DJ Twitch, right? Yeah, DJ Twitch. And, you know, I didn't know who he was until one of my nurses in the hospital said, you know, that's Ellen's DJ. Yes, yes. And yes. then it clicked. DJ Twitch, he died. And I didn't realize that he was 40 years old. Very young. You know, but he's been out there, you know, in the celebrity world for a long time. 
He has. I guess he was on what? Um, so you think he, you can dance. So you think you can dance with his wife and so forth. They had three children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are all kinds of videos and stuff that are on various social media outlets of what appeared to be him dancing and stuff with his wife. You know, you never know. And then I guess these were like days before he committed suicide. I know. And so it just shows you. And and we kind of know, but it, it, it really hits us in the face when we hear stories like this. But yeah, I mean, you can you can be functioning, laughing and singing and enjoying and and then, you know, a couple of days later, take your life. Isn't that crazy? Right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Apparently what happened. And that's what happened. And it says boss because his, his name was Stephen Boss. He was mm-hmm. pronounced dead. And this was back Tuesday. I think it Tuesday was either the 14th or the 15th around 1125 mm-hmm. a.m. in Los Angeles, Los Angeles suburb, you know, and. Yeah, they found him in a motel, I guess. But this is after they had celebrated their ninth wedding, he and his wife, their ninth wedding anniversary just days ago. Just days ago. And and they say that his, he, uh, you know, everybody that came out, I mean, Ellen, of course, you know, she certainly was very poignant about her her words but you know as they say it was as when they made the announcement it's with the heaviest of hearts that and this is from the wife that i have to share mm-hmm. my husband stephen has left us and apparently um he left the house vicky uh-huh, and uh-huh. she said it was very weird because he left the house. I mean, the, the the hotel motel was in very close proximity to the house. Okay. So he must have known what he was going to do and not do it in the house to avoid whatever for yes, his children. For the children, yeah. You know, he valued family, friends, and community above all else, and leading with love and light was everything to him. He was the backbone of our family, the best husband and father, and inspiration to his fans. To say he left a legacy would be an understatement, and his positive impact will continue to be felt, his wife said. I'm certain there won't be a day that goes by that we won't honor his memory. We ask for privacy during this difficult time for myself and for our three children. And he died by suicide, according to the L.A. County Medical Examiner. You know, like you said, he had been on these, you know, the So You Think You Can Dance Mm -hmm. um, episodes and so forth. Mm -hmm. So... It's just, you know, it's just very, you never know what people are going through. And just because they have that mask of, Mm -hmm. you know, that was on Facebook, somebody had a meme of, this is what suicide looks like. And it was Robin Williams smiling. Mm -hmm. It was Anthony Bourdain, the chef smiling. Oh my. Naomi Judd, you know, and, and so many other people who passed away by way of suicide. And, you know, the, we, we just thought their life was just, you know. Yeah. What else could they want? What else could they want? You want know? more, yes. What more could they want? Yeah. So you just never know. And so we will say to folks to, yeah, I know we keep saying you're not alone. Call someone, get some help. But we're saying that, you know, you're not alone. Call someone. And I think the new number that they're saying is 988. It's 988. That's the, the suicide number. That they oh for inter- for intervention for intervention I think it's nine eight eight oh okay yeah like nine one one just nine eight eight I didn't know they had just three numbers okay yeah it's the three numbers it's it's new let me see if I can find it I had it written somewhere here yeah that's helpful because I didn't even know that they had a number like that yeah so it's it's nine eight eight the suicide and crisis lifeline and you connect 
uh, immediately with a trained counselor or you can visit the site that's called Lifeline, Lifeline site. But yeah, you can call 988. Like I said, and you have said, ah, it's important that we we try to pay attention. I need to try to pay attention and make sure that people are truly okay. You know, even yeah. though they're happy and going along, we, we have to take the time and ask people, you know, how are you really feeling? You know, you know, most of the time, like I think when I'm, I'm in the hospital, which is where I am most of the time, people pass you by and you go, how are you doing? And you don't even really wait to hear what they have to say. I know. You know, hey, how you doing? And you you moved on, and you don't even know whether somebody's going. I'm not doing well. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. Yes, that's the things that I'm gonna try to make sure that I put on my list to do more in 2023 to really ask people, you know, how they're doing and Me all too. of that. Yes. Me too. Well, we got the Harvard. Harvard has their first black president. And you saw what I wrote. I was like, okay, that's about 300. I think they say about 400 and something <laughs> years. I mean, right. really? I mean, I mean it, what, what took them so long? That's it. You know, what, what took the folks so long? And what's, what is her name? Her name is Claudine. Claudine Gay. Gay. Okay. So she's the first she black president. What's, what's your thoughts on that, D? Well, I just think, I mean, of all the people, all the famous people, starting with W.E.B. Du Bois, who finished Harvard, all the people from the early 1900s, great people that finished Harvard, this is the first time you can have a president <laughs> and a woman, black president and black woman president and black president, I mean, and black woman president. Right, right. So mm -hmm. I, I just, uh, you know, and it, it really... I didn't have any warning. I didn't know she was even on a short list or a long list. Mm -hmm. And when this popped up, mm -hmm. my first tendency was this is some kind of joke or something. And it's just, it's terrible to think that, yes. you know, maybe this is some kind of joke or something, especially for the first one to be a woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she she's the second woman to hold the role as president, which speaks a lot against Harvard. I mean, second woman. She was born a Haitian immigrant. She got her PhD from Harvard in 1998, and she's the recipient of the Topan Prize for the best dis dissertation in political science, according to the Harvard Gazette. And, you know, you opened up my eyes yesterday about the dissertation mm -hmm. uh, process and the long and grueling process for that. Since 2018, she served as dean of the Faculty of Arts and Sciences. She's a leading scholar of political behavior, considering issues of race and politics in America. And she's the founding chair of the Inequality in America Initiative, a multidisciplinary effort launched in 2017. Gay is preceded by current Harvard president Lawrence Baco, who announced in June that he would be stepping down from the university's top job after five years. I'm humbled by the confidence that the governing boards have placed in me and by the prospect of succeeding President Baco in leading this remarkable institution, Gay said in the Harvard Gazette. It's been a privilege to work with Larry over the last five years. He has shown me that leadership isn't about one person, it's about all of us moving forward together. And that's a lesson I take with me into this next journey. Mm -hmm. She would take office in July of 2023 she was elected to the presidency by the Harvard Corporation, the university's principal governing board. 
the election concludes an intensive search launched after Baco's announcement in June. Claudine is a person of bedrock integrity. Baco said in the Harvard Gazette, she will provide Harvard with a strong moral compass necessary to lead this great university. The search committee has made an inspired choice for our 30th president. Under Claudine Gay's leadership, the Harvard's future is very bright. Now, what I have to say about this is mm -hmm. it's taken Harvard so long for this. So here's what I have to say. Okay. These, first of all, in any, in, in most circumstances, the half-life, shelf-life of, of, a, of a president uh -huh. is about five years. Okay. You know, five to six years. You know, our president, Trestle, is leaving here. And I think he's been here for about five or six or something like that years. Uh-huh. My thing is, and I'm sure this isn't a surprise to her, I just think that she's going to have to watch herself that the honeymoon will be short. You know, that all these accolades and all of this flowery, glittering, you know, things that she's done and so forth and so on, it must be some reason why they haven't had a black president heretofore. After how many, 100 and some, 200 and some years of hard They say They around. say almost 300 exactly. and something, yeah. So my, my thing is, I would proceed with caution. Mm -hmm. I'm wishing, we're all wishing her very well. Yes, yes. But I, I, I think that after about two years, they're going to come gunning for her, looking for something. You know yes. what I mean? This is the nature of the beast with college presidents and so forth. And I think Harvard is probably no no different. No different. Opinion. No different. They're going to come. We Hey, that's one thing we can bet your bottom dollar on. They coming. They're going to come for her. Uh -huh. You know, they, they will come for her. I hope she's talked to Cornell West mm -hmm. and Henry Louis Gates. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, Professor Oglethorpe, Ogletree rather, is, Ogletree, yes. has dementia. Oh, okay. Talk to him. Yeah, he's got big time dementia, sadly. Oh, but wow. But there are a lot of other professors that I'm sure she can, that sure she has talked to mm. about, you know, in the, the endeavor of getting, stepping into this arena and, and you know, having to deal with, with this. I just, you know, I'm going to be perched. Not that I don't wish her well. I wish her absolute well. But yes. what I don't, what I, what I, we know, as, as Oprah would say, what I know for sure. What I know for sure. Yes. They will be coming for her. Yes. And so uh, that's what I said. Shoot. My prayers and thoughts are with her. You know what I mean? And kudos to her. But kudos for, you know, we have to give Harvard a little kudos. Cause, Absolutely. You no know, question. They can change. They finally did it. They finally did it. They can change. They finally did it. You know, because a lot of people talk about the system. Oh, you know, when you when you put your foot down, well, the system is this and that. We don't want to hear about the system, honey. No, you, you can right. change that. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. they they have changed that, and yeah, she's she's a good, powerful fit. She sure is. You know, she is. She, she if is. they if they let her, she's gonna make a lot of wonderful things happen. I agree, and she's one of their own. Yes. They trained her. Yes. Yeah, so you know. so it's going to be very good. It's going to be very yeah, good. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we always try to have a, some kind of health tip when we have our show. And so today, the health tip is your brain on plant chemicals. And this was written in Idea Fitness Journal. And so I'm just going to read to you what it says. It's talking about what we always talk about, getting a bunch of of eating a whole bunch of fruits and vegetables. And I had to make sure I talk about it because, you know, the holiday seasons 
seasons. It lasts forevers and evers. Next thing you know, you're in the middle of January still celebrating. January. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Say, <laughs> what happened? No I'm supposed question. to be starting my New Year's resolution. I'm still. <laughs> it's already middle of January. <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't done anything. You haven't done anything. So let's start out. Here we go. If you, it says your brain on plant chemicals. If you want to stay as sharp as a whip. Be sure to top your morning cereal with berries and wash it down with steamy, a steamy mug of tea. You know, I like that. A steamy mug of tea. Based That's right up your alley. Yes. Based on data collected from 2,800 <laughs> participants. I'm saying the year. Wouldn't that be a trip? Based on data collected from 2,800 um, participants, the, they were older adults enrolled in the Framingham um, Heart Study. Those with higher intakes of fruits, foods, and drinks, including the flavonoids such as berries, pears, apples, dark chocolate, and green tea were less likely to develop Alzheimer's disease and related dementias over 20 years than those who consume fewer, fewer of these antioxidants. This is according to research conducted at the Gene Mayer USDA Human Nutrition Research Center. It's a center on aging at Tufts University. So for instance, low intake of a class of flavonoids called anthocyanins found mostly in um, fruits like blackberries or blueberries were associated with a four-fold greater risk of developing dementia, okay? It's low intake. If you don't eat a lot of the, the blueberries that have these the antioxidants in them, then your risk for developing dementia is fourfold. You had a fourfold greater risk of developing dementia. And so that is one reason for the brain benefiting powers of these plant-based chemicals. And they could be that the flavonoids work to lessen memory zapping inflammation. One of the best ways to load up on your flavonoids is to eat a rainbow. Eat a rainbow of plant foods daily you know we were trying to get folks to eat at least what nine servings of fruits and vegetables yeah to do this so that we can have the loaded up on our antioxidants so that we can have our flavonoids those phytochemicals to help reduce inflammation right and with that, mm -hmm. reducing our risk for dementia. So that's what that is. What do you say to that, Dee? Uh, it, you know, it's, it's also stuff that we've been talking about over the years, just reinforcing. Um, the, you know, and I was just thinking the other day that I went into the refrigerator, just grabbed a handful of blueberries and started to eat them. Mm -hmm. You know, and thinking about, and I, I forgot about all the nutrients that they had in them. Yes, a lot. We want to put that out there, folks. So, yes, don't forget to pile your, your plates instead of piling high with all that sweets and stuff. Even high. <laughs> Get some blueberries. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. some blueberries. Okay. Well, D, you know, we always ask, what's the latest, D? What's the latest? Well, the latest is um, the numbers of COVID hospitalizations maybe have plateaued just a teeny bit. 
But what seems to be superseding it right now is influenza A. Um, RSV has plateaued a little bit too. And let me just give a brief comment about why we think this is happening. There's something called the immunity gap. And so for the last two years, you know, we've been wearing masks since maybe 20, middle of 2020. I know, I think I started wearing masks before it was mandated around the middle of 2020. And so for the last two years, we've been wearing masks. And last year, we didn't really have an influenza epidemic crisis because the masks did what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So what's happened is our bodies have not been exposed to influenza for a long time. And for those individuals, certainly that are not vaccinated, you know, your immune system's down. You haven't been challenged with influenza A or B or any of them, any of them, RSV too. So, and especially a lot of these babies are pandemic babies. Mm. So they were, the mom wore masks or kept them in or didn't expose them to daycares were closed. Schools were closed. And so they didn't have sort of like that subclinical exposure to it. So now they have no resistance, no immunity. And so RSV is hitting hard and there's no vaccine right now. We're hoping that maybe the first of the year, there will be a RSV vaccine on the horizon for children and adults. But right now, only protection that anybody has against any of this stuff, number one, vaccines, your, get your, your bivalent COVID vaccine, get your influenza vaccination, and then wear your mask. You know, holidays are coming up and you all want to be with Pookie and them. But, you know, Pookie and them have been vaccinated. Right. Pookie and them, you know, they'll say, oh, I got my vaccine about two years, a year and a half ago. Well, that vaccine doesn't work now. Right. Okay. And so you have to update yourself on what's called the new bivalent vaccination to cover the new Omicron subvariant. So, you know, you, you're going to go to a, go to a, a, a reception or party or whatever over the holidays with Pookie and them and you know then you're going to come down with whatever so do check yourself we're not telling you not to go but just be careful and mindful of that these viruses have not gone anywhere and they're just sitting sitting and waiting for you right they waiting to get us so we got to make sure we got to make sure that we go and get our flu vaccines and our booster shot exactly okay well thank you (laughs) d Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood-Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicki Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online 
programs, and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 82. The first okay. article is yeah. the myth that suicides peak during the holidays. Now, this, this came as a surprise to me because you yeah. know, I have you know, taught it that, yeah, you know, the holidays are coming and people are depressed and you're going to see more suicides and so forth. But this article from Health Day says that many Americans, including myself, believe that suicide rates spike every time the holiday season comes around. There's just one catch. It's not true. Yet a new analysis reveals that 56% of stories published last year in U.S. newspapers that touched on a potential connection between the holidays and suicide perpetuated the falsehood. Only 44% debunked the notion. When it comes to suicide rates, we have consistently found that the winter months of November, December, and January are the lowest or close to lowest every year, and there is no evidence of a surge in suicides during the end-of-year holidays, said Dan Romer, research director of the Annenberg Policy Center at the University of Pennsylvania. Romer and his Annenberg colleagues have conducted an analysis of suicide rates and media coverage of suicide during the holidays for more than two decades. The team used data compiled by the U.S. United States Centers for Disease Control, CDC, Control and Prevention, to determine what the suicide trends truly are. At the same time, each media, each year, the researchers review how coverage in American newspapers is framing the issue. Are media outfits perpetuating confusion, or are they bursting the misinformation balloon? The researchers found that there was an overall rise in suicides in 2021, amounting to 14 out of 25 articles published between November 15, 2021 and January 31, 2022, all of which focused on suicides over the holidays, revealed that 56% regurgitated the holiday suicide myth, while only 44% made a point of debunking it. And the problem is not new. The analysis revealed that since 1999, most years saw more newspaper stories perpetuating the myth and challenging it. Roma highlighted a number of factors driving the myth. In part, we think the idea is motivated by the good intention of promoting care for those who might experience stress or what is called holiday blues during the end of the year. At the same time, Roma noted that many journalists and columnists, even the psychologists and psychiatrists they interviewed, appear to be misinformed. More cynically, there's also the possibility that articles are fashioned to get maximum attention by going against the grain of the good cheer of holiday. The goal of the analysis is to alert journalists and the public about this myth in the hopes that it will discourage repetition of this idea since it serves no useful purpose and may even have harmful effects if it produces contagion among those who might be in crisis and considering suicide over this period performances sort of like the, what do they call it, the copycat effect? Yes, the copycat. Yep, yep. The copycat. That. Mm-hmm. But the risk is that for vulnerable people who are already having suicidal thoughts, this kind of misinformation may persuade them to imitate what others do, like I said, and thinking that a lot of others are dying by suicide could push them to do the same thing. Yeah. It's unfortunate. That, huh? I know. Isn't that crazy? I never thought yeah, of that. Yeah, it's crazy. Like the, the copycat. 
-hmm. It's unfortunate that the myth that suicide rates increase around the winter holidays continues since studies have shown that it's not the case that Alicia Vogel Hammond, System Fellowship Director for Research at WashU School of Medicine in St. Louis. Though not involved in the study, Vogel Hammond acknowledged the need for ensuring that those who are feeling down over the holidays get the support they need by reaching out to family, friends, medical professionals, or as you say, the 988 helpline. Yes. Yeah, so. But let's not sensationalize the risk of suicide mm-hmm. or give people the impression that this is a time when more people are dying by suicide, she says. Mm-hmm. When the media emphasizes a false risk, it can be harmful to those who are struggling as it makes it seem more like a common effect. And that, Vogel Hammond added, raises the risk for precisely the sort of contagion effect highlighted by Romer. And so what are the takeaways for this article? Mm-hmm. It's a persistent myth that Americans can't seem to shape. Suicide rates jump during the holiday season. Number two, media outlets make matters worse. A new analysis shows that 56% of stories on suicide and the holidays perpetuating the falsehood. And number three, that misinformation may trigger those who are having suicidal thoughts to carry out the act, researchers know. So what does this mean for you? Even though suicide rates do not spike during the holidays, the myth is repeated by media and could create a contagion effect, a new analysis suggests. So I, I, that was surprising because I've been one of the ones that have been perpetuating it. I was just telling some folks the other day, well, you know, it's Christmas and you know, people get depressed and you see more suicides. Well, that's not the data. That's not the data. So that's why I was like, what? You know, right. so but now we know now we know. But we also will continue to say, hey, if you do, if you do suffer from depression or anxiety or mental health issues, call 988 and right. also also tell your your primary care physician to hook you up with a psychologist or a psychiatrist and go through that pipeline as well but they do have a hotline now and it's 988 you know 988 yes 988 so yeah i just thought that was very interesting because it's very interesting because we do always talk about you know the holidays are coming you know yeah so there it is you know, it just goes to show you, you've got to have data. You can't be running off half caught with what you thought you knew. That's it. Or what you hear. The data doesn't support it. Or what you hear media. Because media, you know, they always exactly. say that. Right. They right. say that too, right? Right. Okay. That's what that's what scientists, that's what we here for. And, and exactly. people to make sure we, we stay on point, huh? <laughs> All right. Well, our next article, and it is depression affects almost one in 10 Americans. It says close to one in 10 American men suffers from depression or anxiety, but fewer, fewer than half get treatment. A new survey, a new survey reveals nationwide poll of more than 21,000 men also found that among younger Males, a young younger males, blacks and Hispanics are less likely than whites to report mental health symptoms. And when they do acknowledge psychiatric troubles, they are less likely to seek professional help than whites, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Report. We suspect that there are several social and cultural pressures that lead black and Hispanic men to be less likely than 
white men to seek mental health treatments, said report led by author Stephen Blumberg, an associate director for science with the CDC's uh, National Center for Health Statistics, NCHS. These pressures, which include ideas about masculinity and the stigma of mental illness, may be more pronounced for men of color, he said. And these same forces may lead men of color to be more likely to deny or hide feelings of anxiety or depression. If this is true, Bloomberg added, then the racial disparities we observe could be even greater. The survey was conducted between 2010 and 2013. The results were published June 11 in the NCHS data brief across all ages. Survey results indicate almost 9% of U.S. men suffer from depression or anxiety on a daily basis, although only 41%, only 41% of these men actually sought treatment. More than 39% of men under 45 years of age said they had either taken medication or visited a mental health professional for daily anxiety or depression during the um, prior year. This put these younger men roughly on a par with the estimated 42% of older men. And when we say older men, those 45 and up who said they had done the same. But racial differences in terms of mental health care patterns became apparent. When the study authors focus on those 18 to 44 years old, just 6% of younger black and Hispanic men said they experience daily anxiety or depression compared with over 8% of younger white men, the findings showed. And younger black and Hispanic men who experience only daily depression or anxiety were less likely to have accessed uh, mental mental health treatment in the prior year than their white peers. And that's about 26% versus 45% respectively. This racial divide was not seen among men age 45 and up. Health insurance status appeared to be a major factor. While no significant racial differences in the use of mental health treatment services were seen among insured men, Uninsured white men between 18 and 44 with daily anxiety or depression were three times more likely to access mental health care than their uninsured black or Hispanic peers. While the survey doesn't explain this discrepancy, the author said that in focus groups, they found having health insurance coverage seems to reduce the stigma associated with needing mental health treatment for blacks and Hispanics. Expansion of health insurance coverage as a result of the Affordable Care Act, sometimes called Obamacare, could therefore reduce these racial and ethnic disparities, they said. Jill Kikolt, an associate professor of sociology at Virginia Tech University, said she wasn't surprised by the findings. But they need to be unpacked a bit, she added. For example, that while a lot of prior research has also identified relatively lower rates of anxiety and depression among blacks, rates among Hispanic men have generally been pegged as on par with their white peers.
Consequently, African-Americans' mental health advantage on these indicators is larger than it appears, Keycolt said, whereas Hispanics may not have a mental health advantage. As for what might drive the better mental health numbers among black men, Keycolt said, the dynamic remains puzzling. We don't know why, she noted. Her own research has not found support for the often floated notion that black Americans generally benefit from stronger social support structures relative to whites. Nevertheless, she stressed that the lower rates of depression and anxiety seen among black men most likely are real. So what do you say to that? Wow, this is deep. This is very deep. But again, you know, I'm sitting here just thinking more disparities. More disparities. More disparities. So it depends on your health insurance too. Yeah. And those places, like um, I think, you know, she mentioned here that Medicaid expansion and expansion of health insurance coverage uh, as a result of the uh, Affordable um, Care Act could reduce some of these. But, you know, there's still a lot of those states that don't have Medicare, Medicaid expansion. Medicaid expansion is what I'm trying to say in some okay. of these southern states. So okay. a lot of those individuals, uh, black and brown people who are in there, again, suffer from not having not just health care for, you know, diabetes, hypertension, but mental health care. Mental health care. And if, if you don't have insurance... You know, especially for the young folks, that that's an excuse not to get the care, the mental health exactly. care. Exactly, it's an excuse also to not even look at you for care. Right. You know, they might take care of your diabetes and your hypertension and your whatever with limited health care, but when it comes to mental re- mental health resources, my opinion, the the stretching out of the arms for help is not going to be that long because they don't see it as an immediate acute issue. Right. Fact, it could be. It you could know, be. Right. And that could be form, you know, shooting other people. That could be a form of acting out in depression and anxiety exactly. as well. Mental health as well. And we've always we always kind of said that as well. But, yeah, I thought that was I said we digging up some some something, you know. I know. <laughs> I know. It's just, you know, it's just. But again, you got to look at the data. This data is very interesting. Uh huh. It's very interesting. Yeah. And so all of these, both of these articles were in the Health Day News. Health, Health Day News, right. Yes. So our last article, I, I will leave that to you because that yeah, is. Yeah, you know, we were talking about this yesterday and I talk about this every day. I was just talking about it today with one of my vascular surgery colleagues. Uh-huh. Um, America facing shortage of infectious disease doctors. Now, you know, about a year ago, we thought that there was something that was called the Fauci effect. That you okay. know, young doctors were, you know, getting hyped up because Fauci was presenting himself as the infectious disease doc. Okay. And more people were going into ID. Reading this article, that's not the case. <laughs> so, again, the data. The data, right? So the COVID-19 pandemic, dangerous antibiotic-resistant bacteria, the current wave of influenza and ripping through schools and workplaces. These are all things that we've had to deal with here in the last couple of years. America has had ample examples in recent years of the importance of infectious disease doctors. Despite this, the United States is facing a shortage of doctors choosing to specialize in infectious diseases, according to the Infectious Disease Society of America. The national recruitment drive that matches medical residents with specialist trainings 
recently took place and was a bit of a bust in drawing more docs to ID medicine, according to the group. Only 56% of adult and 49% of pediatric infectious disease training programs were filled, even though most other subspecialties filled all or nearly all their programs society said. We have a substantial number of really excellent programs that didn't fail. And this has been a matter of some concern to the infectious disease community, said Dr. William Schaffner, medical director of the Bethesda, Maryland-based National Foundation for Infectious Diseases. That's interesting because he used to be at Vanderbilt. He must have taken a move. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's you know, as they say, long in the tooth. He's no young, young Right, buck. right, right. It's the latest bit of bad news and an already troubling trend. The United States is expected to have a severe shortage of infectious disease specialists over the next decade, according to projections by the Federal Health Resources and Services Administration. By 2035, I guess I'll be working to the end, <laughs> An estimated 14,010 infectious disease docs will be scrambling in the face of a demand for 15,130 such specialists across the nation, said Hearst. It's quite concerning for many of us. Hersha is the Health Health Resources and Services Administrator, briefly known as Hersha. It's quite concerning for many of us because obviously it's suggesting that for many years, we will not have the number of people necessary to manage ID, said IDSA, our our new president, Dr. Carlos Del Rio. Okay, okay. Five U.S. counties don't have a single ID doctor, Del Rio said. About 91% of respondents to an IDSA-sponsored poll said that it's important to have infectious disease experts in hospitals to protect patients from infections when receiving care that varies from chemotherapy to hip replacement. Another 65% said increasing the number of people who focus on managing infectious diseases will better prepare the U.S. for the next pandemic. So why aren't people signing up? Mm. Pay! is a big factor, said Del Rio and Schaffner. Oh, wow. When you have significant college and medical school debt, when you graduate with a big debt, you're not going to go into a subspecialty that doesn't pay a lot, said Dr. Del Rio. The average salary for an ID specialist is about $260,000, more than most working stiffs make, but far less. I didn't say that. That's what the article said. But far less than doctors in other specialties. Emory University ID specialist Dr. Bukama Tatanji. Well, I, I said working stiff. I wonder if they went working That's staff. What That's what they said. That's kind of like pejorative. So I, I didn't say that. That's what they said. But <laughs> <laughs> ID doctors might be asked to do other special jobs that can earn them an extra dollar here and there, such as overseeing infection control, antibiotic stewardship, said Dr. Schaffner. But those jobs aren't compensated as well as procedures performed by, you know, our, our cardiovascular thoracic surgery uh, physicians, our vascular physicians, our uh, all of the surgicals, our orthopedics, subspecialty colleagues. The work-life balance also makes the ID specialty less attractive to potential recruits. Even though they aren't paid well, ID doctors are slugging around in the hospital till midnight Mm. compared with other subspecialties, Schaffner added. Medical residents often see that ID docs are among the last to leave the hospital late at night simply because there's so much need for their consultation and there aren't enough ID docs, said Dr. Schaffner. Compare that to being a hospitalist. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> the hospital is a re- uh huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. The hospital is a really much better pay than an ID doc, said Dr. Schaffner. And when they're on, they work hard. But when they're off, they're hundred percent off. Nobody's calling them when they're off to follow up on a patient. Uh uh. So and so, Miss So and So is calling you because you saw her a week ago. Well, I'm not even on call. Can't you call my colleague? I'm not even on call. I mean, there's a they can pull up the computer to get the record. Yeah, you know, she wants to talk to you. I'm off. And so the infectious disease docs just simply spend more time working than other specialists. Mm -hmm. The politicization of the COVID pandemic also might be playing a role. And this is where this is interesting. Okay. Infectious disease experts and public health officials have come under attack. Most prominently, Dr. Fauci, director of the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Dr. Del Rio noted, people see the polarization of the ID of infectious diseases, the attacks, and I think that makes people say, well, why do I want to do this, said Dr. Del Rio. Dr. Schaffner agreed, noting that the attacks have also had an impact on people who are already in the field. Mm. Now, this is interesting, Vicki. This is the committee that I have applied to get on. Okay, okay. I might have to rethink this. They won't let us know until June. Okay, But a colleague, according to this article, according to Dr. Schaffner, a colleague of Dr. Schaffner, who serves on the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, the committee that I'm trying to get on, which helps the CDC and prevention set vaccine policy for the United States is rethinking their participation based on the email vitriol to which they have been subjected. They might have the opportunity to continue to serve on that committee and they're thinking twice about it because they're worried about their family's safety. I never even thought that there was that kind of issue. How do they get our emails and all this information? I know. Wow. what Dr. Schaffner said. Okay. To draw more people into infectious disease practice, the United States will have to increase the value of infectious diseases. We need to get better reimbursement for ID doctors, ID person, ID physicians. Two-thirds, 68% of participants said the federal government should help pay the loans of ID specialists who agree to work in an underserved part of the community, of the country. IDSA is urging Congress to pass the Prevent Pandemics Act, which includes a pilot program that would give incentives for healthcare professionals to focus on infectious disease. The discipline is very attractive, Schaffner said. A lot of people would be attracted to it. It's that we have to provide the administrative financial structure so the discipline can flourish the way that specialties like cardiology have flourished. So what does this mean to you? A lack of infectious disease doctors will leave the United States unprepared Mm. for future outbreaks and pandemic unless action is taken. So there you have it. We'll be working until they take us out the doggone morgue. I mean, it's just sad. It's a sad commentary. And like he said, you know, what's happening with, I was reading an article from one of my ID colleagues the other day who was saying that, unfortunately, the, the climate for infectious diseases has changed. It used to be that the primary care doctors would take care of a lot of things. Somebody came in with pneumonia, they gave them antibiotics, and now if they didn't get better, they call ID. Okay. Or if they had a urinary tract infection, they would take care of it, give the patient antibiotics, and if they didn't get better, whatever they would call Now... Vicky, uh-huh. Doe, yes. Dr. Doe. Yes. We go down to the emergency room 
and our notes of the H&Ps because the primary care doctors haven't even seen them yet. So we're met, being made the primary care physicians and the infectious disease physicians. In addition, when the emergency room calls us, we go down there and there's probably not even a note from the PCP who hasn't even seen the patient and hasn't even made an attempt to try to treat anything. So we're backed up with all of that so that when we have the serious infections like you know, serious pneumonias or immunocompromised patients or the really sick COVID patients or the diabetic foot infections or like with Dr. Doe, you know, the complications of renal disease with infected catheters and all of that. We're busy taking care of ID consults that could clearly be taken care of by primary care physicians. But you don't have the PCPs in the hospitals anymore. Ah. The hospitals now are taken over by very well-paid and working hard hospitalists. Okay. But all they do is consult, 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 consult. Wow. Yeah. So there's, so the residents, when they're looking at this, they're like, oh, well, I can go into being a hospitalist and make $300,000. I don't really have to think about being an ID doctor or having any knowledge of renal or pulmonary because all I'm going to do is just consult everybody. Yeah, but it, but, but it caused the specialist to actually be doing dual roles. No question. Because I'm sure, Doe I'm sure. Because I've kidney, seen it. Yes. I've, I've seen Dr. Doe, you're honey sweet. His note Oftentimes when I get there is the only note on the chart and not the primary care doctor or the hospitalist because they expect us to do all the heavy lifting. Okay. Review the chart, review the lab. So we, that's not our job. Oh, wow. That's not our job to come in and do the, to, re, to review. That should have been done by the docs, you know, but they go home at five o'clock. Mm. So I'm just saying, there are, and especially in infectious diseases, the young residents don't want to work that hard. They see us, they've got these big loans. And why would they want to go to a, a, in a specialty where it's going to take them, you know, where is that picture that was on Facebook about, <laughs> This is how I look when my loans are paid. It was a skeleton. (laughs) (laughs) It was a skeleton in a cast. I know, right? This is how I look when my loans are paid off. I mean, they shouldn't have to have that as something to think about. You know, college loans today, that loan thing has to do with you buying a house. Yeah. Getting a loan for a house, buying a car. Mm -hmm. And even who chooses you for marriage. Yeah, because they don't want to marry somebody and be in debt as well. Because now everybody has to pay that. You're you're a unit. You're a family unit. Yeah, every everything gets affected though. Every every yeah. discipline is is affected. You know. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, with with student loans, and then it goes all the way down to us as patients. Yeah. We get we mm-hmm. get you know the the aftermath of having right uh, physicians that are loaded with with stuff. Exactly. Yeah, and it takes forever. I notice when I try to make appointment. Now I get in because you know I get in. Right, <laughs> right. But when I look up, uh, at, at first, I, I'm trying in October to maybe get to to my OBGYN until something. You know, my regular primary. I'm way out in March and April of the next year. I'm going. It, what the ridiculous. hell is going on? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So healthcare. And it's a barrier. It's a barrier because you give somebody an appointment in March, they're liable to forget it. You, right. And if something happens to them in the interim, how how is this good for um, preventive medicine? How is this good for preventive medicine? I know. So we got to rethink healthcare. I think the the pandemic brought out a whole bunch of stuff. It did. It certainly did. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, infectious disease. I said yeah. Let's let's 
talk about this because I a know good, that was a good topic. Yep, good topic to bring up. I know, I know you got something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did. <laughs> well, D, that ends our show. So, do you have some tips then that we should think about? Yeah, I think you know the comments that you made, the article that you read about the, the chemicals and 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 our plant based eating is important. And those kinds of things that we continue to stress on the show of healthy eating is important now because usually the holidays are coming and, you know, your defenses are down and you tend to grab that cookie and maybe you should be grabbing that apple yes. and, or those blueberries, as you say. Um, and I think, you know, it also brings a point of to, for having people to do their own homework. Yes. You know, do, do, doing your own homework about nutrition. Yes, um, yes. The next thing with the, the articles, the great articles, you know, we talked about, we, we touched on, talked about Twitch today. Yes. That, number one, the myth that I thought I knew about that suicide isn't increased necessarily around holidays. Mm -hmm. There's no real evidence to support that. But again, it still speaks to the point that if you're feeling down or low or having some issues that you feel that you might not be able to handle, make sure that you try to reach out to a friend or healthcare professional mm -hmm. for help. And 988. Yes. And then lastly, the article that you talked about with, you know, just looking at disparities with mental health and particularly young black men having, young black men having, you know, more mental health challenges and the issue of having not having health care weighing in on the way you get treated. The way you get treated. The way you get treated. Yeah. So, and then lastly, the, you know, paucity of infectious disease specialists, because it's a two-year fellowship, which means that those docs that are supposed to start their fellowship in 2023, let's say they'll be out in 2025. Well, I mean, there's no hopes for anybody that has a big infectious disease practice that you're going to have people feeding into your practice. And that's very depressing for those of us that, you know, want to have some kind of exit strategy or exit plan there's nobody continuing to fill the pipeline right and that's across the Nobody's board filling the pipeline that's across the board because you know kidney is hard as hell so you know Absolutely. ain't nobody trying to run in that no mm -mm. and it might be i don't know really they talked about who's leaving the hospital last it might be neck and neck with id and nephrology running for the door at nine o'clock <laughs> I'm not so sure. I know. I know. I know Dr. Doe puts in way Ooh. longer hours than I do. And on many days, has I, we just, as you know, we had that conversation on Sunday, have 40 patients. I think maybe I had 30 something. And this is hospital. We talking about sick. Very sick. Very sick. Very sick patients. In fact, one of the patients that he saw that I saw, he had to start dialysis on that patient. Wow. Now that takes at least a good hour wow. of just that one patient of just trying to coordinate and get the, the vascular surgeons to put a line in and get the patient to, to agree or the patient's not with it. Find the family members who are out, who know who knows where. That's an hour out of your time, and you got 39 more patients to see. I know. You figure it out. Yeah, it's something. It's something. So, yeah. so kudos to you guys. That's why I always say, yes, honey. Uh, we just pray for you guys. The struggle is real. And you guys got that stamina. Y'all, shoot. Struggle, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And so that's why it's important. We always talk about this uh, here. It's important that we do take control of some of the things that we can do about our health. And we know that we're in the holiday season. And then by the time this gets posted, 
we will be in January. Let's don't be continuing in our celebration into January. <laughs> January the 30th. <laughs> and we still talk about holiday. Let's let's go forward and exactly. let's embrace healthy eating and living. And as always, for more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us. Go on Facebook and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.